Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And this past week was the story that we typically refer to as the, quote, widow's mite. Yeah, which, you know, might seem like a weird... It's a weird term. A weird title. It's but, her last but, penny. But two al- copper coins that equal a penny. But we've also discovered that um, biblical story titles are crap. Yeah, yeah. They don't <laughs> usually encapsulate what's really going on. Right. Um, in the story. Yeah, definitely the case in this story. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I point out in my sermon that there's a reason that we put these two stories together, where Jesus is um, addressing the issue of the elite and wealthy, who at that point in time happened to be uh, some of the scribes uh, at the temple, and how they were out there looking for all kinds of accolades for all the things that they do, and yet are devouring widows' homes. Um, And the next scene we get is an actual widow who clearly has had her home devoured and still is giving her last penny to the temple. And I'm going to be honest, my instinct would have been and I'm not Jesus, and this is probably why, (laughs) my instinct would have been, do not give that last penny to this corrupt system. Just don't do it. I'm, I'm, that, that probably would have been my instinct. So not Jesus. Yes, this is why I'm not Jesus. (laughs) Um, I had a thought before you went into that part of what you were saying. Oh, it's okay. Go back up. No, I lost it. Oh. Um, much like the widow lost her. The, the devouring of the widow's homes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's amazing how... Relevant that is? Yeah, how relevant it is and how prophetic those words are from a book that is really old. It, you know, this is not the New York Times. This is not, you know, the um, T.C. Palm or whatever. Is it T.C. Palm? That's a local newspaper. Something like that, yeah. Um, thought the Miami Herald, it's not CNN or Fox News, it's, it's scripture. And it parallels exactly what we're... So, so today, you know, there are no safety nets. None. Unless your spouse who died had um, a significant you know, financial savings. Like, that's, that's it. Like, you have to have that money aside in order for you to be somewhat taken care of. Um, And if you're not, oh, well, too bad, so sad. Yeah. Um, You know, too bad. I I mean, that's, 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 um, and that's not me saying too bad, just to be clear. Um, But it's, it's, it's the economic system saying too bad. Um, You know, Well, it's the system and it's our society. Correct. So again, it goes back to what I said the week before. Um, You know, we want to. um, Many Christians want to, you know, bump their chest and you know spout off scripture and you know live your life and tell others to live their life as a follower. 
but so often that stops when we start talking about money. Yeah. And, you know, money is powerful. It was powerful then, it is powerful now, which is exactly why Jesus talked about it so much, gave us so many warnings, and knew that, you know, in this instance, for the widow, um, you're, like, I... The reality is, I mean, one of the reasons, one of the main, the two main reasons for marriage, you know, biblically, was to bear children, Mm -hmm. so you could, especially for lower class, so that you could work the fields, um, or older, have heirs, um, and so that your daughters were taken care of. So as a dad of two daughters, I need, would have needed, um, to make sure that I attached them, married them off for, to, a, to a... Someone who could provide for to them. To someone who could, to a family that could provide for them. That, I mean, that was marriage. There wasn't a whole lot of love in it. You know, we have this whole debate over marriage now and, well, younger generation... Well, marriage biblically and marriage today are not the same thing. They're just not. Um, yeah, the, the purposes are different. The, correct. Yeah, love was rarely the, the reason you got married. Correct. Now, not that there weren't like uh, stories of love in the Bible, clearly. Um, uh, if you look at the story of, say, Re- Rebecca and Isaac, there, there was a love there. Correct. Um, I, I always appreciated in his... Uh, in, in that story, when Isaac is praying, he's not praying because he wants an heir. He's praying because this is what his wife wants. Right. You know, give, 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 give this to my wife because she wants this so desperately. Yeah, and it, it's, um, it's just, it's not, the, it's not the same. Yeah. So, so when Jesus talks about, you know, this widow's might, and we talk about widows and, and, not, and, and taking care of them, and there's lots of provisions in the Old Testament in particular about caring for the Ooh, widow yeah. um, all over the place. Um, and it's, 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 the, it's the financial piece of it. You, know, you, can't, you, can't, you, you have to take care of the widow because, um, especially then, the way the society was set up, they didn't have a chance. Yeah. Like they had no chance. It's about caring for the vulnerable. Because, I mean, we didn't have a society in which um, women could just go pretty much do anything that they wanted or needed to do to support themselves. Yep. Um, one of the few things they did, <laughs> um, let's just say it's frowned upon, <laughs> um, but, you know, prostitution frequently is what they had to turn to. The oldest profession in the book, is that what they say? Yep. The oldest profession known. Um, but, I mean, that, that was the, the reality. And so, you know, when, when I... Well, I, so today there's such a stigma against that as well. I don't know if there was then. I don't know what the stigma was then. I imagine it's... I, I, I'm fairly certain it was still kind of frowned upon. Correct. Yeah. And, it, and it is today. There's a huge stigma around... Well, and part of the reason I think... Um, I mean, today there is a, a stigma against it that for the same reasons as there was back then. 
but I think today we're a little bit more even aware of the abuses that go on within it. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's not just an, oh, I'm choosing to do this. It's a, no, it's, I'm being forced into this. Yeah. And well, the this whole is, human, human trafficking, especially of young girls. Right. Um, is yeah. hor horrific. But um, anyway, point being, your, your widows have a few options. And so here we have this story of this, this widow who clearly has, has had everything taken from her, and yet she is giving everything she's got over to God. And it's just this, it's heartbreaking to me. Um, especially as I'm looking at our current housing situation in South Florida of the, the, the rising cost of rent, of insurance, um, the housing prices themselves, just the, the way that you can draw a straight line between what's happening in scripture and what's happening today and what's happening to, you know, our elderly who are on fixed incomes, a lot of them widows yeah. and going, well, what do we do? Especially if they're renting and their rent suddenly goes up $500 a month. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking $50 increases anymore. No, this, this is ridiculous stuff. Yeah. And no one, can, and it, it, and, and I hate to be this way, but I feel like no one cares. No, no one that is like has any power to do anything about it cares. Um, the homeowners that are just looking to cash in don't care. Obviously, the investors that are doing it because they're like, hey, look at how much extra money I can be making. They don't care. Um, and I just, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to watch. It's hard to... Um, it's hard to walk with people who are in the middle of this as well because you feel so helpless because it's like, well, I don't have an extra $500 lying around to help you <laughs> per month. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a helpless feeling. So being involved with um, Family Promise who, you know, houses, I mean, they're, our, our goal at Family Promise is, I, th I think the motto is every child has a home. So it's basically uh, families experiencing homelessness and trying to house them. Mm -hmm. So we bring them into Family Promise. You know, they spend, you know, it's supposed to be like a 60 to maybe 90 days in the program so that they can, you know, get everything in order and find a place to live or a place to buy, you know, and working families. This is not, you know, your, your, your family living in the woods because mom's a drug addict or, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, these are, these are working families that suddenly, you know, it used to be most often, and this doesn't make it less tragic, you know, there was a medical emergency or something like that. The medical bills sapped all their funds and they could either pay to be healthy and be alive or whatever, and they miss their rent and get evicted, and then they can't get a place to live. Um, yep. Now, just as frequently, it's I have a job, I make okay money, 
and my rent just went up and I can no longer afford it. And now I'm couch surfing or living in my car and we get them into family promise and we can't find house, affordable housing for them because it doesn't exist. And it's not just this community, it, it's many communities. So we're doing, you know, one of the things we've been doing through Family Promise is actually relocating people out of state to areas where the wages and the housing costs are more um, comparable. Yeah. And in this community, you know, to work, to be a... Um, lower income worker, so you're working retail, you're working, um, you know, publics, you're working restaurants, those types of places, um, you can't live in this community and, and make those wages. No. And honestly, in, it, we're getting to the point now where teachers, teachers, like people in charge of teaching our youth can't afford to live in this community off of a teacher's salary, which is one, an indictment on the housing industry, and it's an indictment on the educational system because, again, and I've said this before, you know, a budget is a moral document. What we spend money on is a moral, um, is a moral telling of, where, of what is important to us. Yep. And we say that, oh, the children, the children are our future. You know, shout out to Whitney Houston. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, and we value education, we value education, but we don't put any damn money into it, right? Like it's all psh, just kind of pass it along. It, it's, it's disgusting is, is what it is. Yep. And I have no idea how I got there from the widow's thing, but it still ticks me well, off. Well, because we're talking about the, the pricing, pricing oh, yeah. of housing and, and, you know, regardless of whether you're a widow or, you know, just somebody who's poor and or... In this case, you don't even have to be that poor. It's, you know, middle class is <laughs> going bye-bye. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a real problem, and I, I don't know whether I should say this or not. Oh, say I, it. I, I, I I, I guess I'm just I'm just angry. You can always that, delete, you can always erase it or edit it out. <laughs> That's right, I'll edit it out. I guess part of you the part of it is I'm angry that rather than addressing that issue, we're fighting over things like um don't say gay and you know, that kind of stuff. When it's like we've got people losing their homes. Yeah. Come on. Um, and, and I realize a lot of it is just distraction so that we're not focusing on the fact that people are losing their homes and nobody's doing anything about it. Yep. Um, yep. I, I well, get that's part of the point is distract, yep. don't pay attention to it. We're going to get these, these other culture war issues going on um, that are going to distract us from the, what I would consider the, the, the real problems we're facing. Yep. Um, and instead, we're going to try to police what, um, whether or not, uh, you know, reproductive rights, transgender kids, um, are being properly, uh, you know, well, we're not having this problem in Florida, but like in Texas where they're, they're being taken away from their families. If they're, they're discussing, uh, in any way, shape or form changing their, their gender, um, and 
things like that, where it's just like well, we have any, a, any gender affirming kind of, of therapies, et cetera. Um, the kids are being taken away. And I'm just like, how, how is this in any way, shape or form helpful in, in our society? And I, I don't, I don't get it. And I'm, well, it's, so I, I, like I said, I just keep looking at what are, what I feel are the real issues <laughs> And having a real problem um, with what we're focusing on right now. Yeah. Right. Again, I think it's um, political expediency and self-service. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can do this, I can get people all excited and I can stay in office and I can stay in power. And that means I can continue to reap the financial rewards of that. I, I think the reality is, you know, so I'll add on top of, um, I'll add on top of what you said and homeowner's insurance. Yeah. Oh, well, I mentioned it, the cost of insurance. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's... you know, we have all of these things that, you know, we want to talk about making an impact on the economy and... You know, there's, it, it's it's insane. I mean, insurance premiums went up, rent's going up. I mean, it, it's co- it's 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 pricing people out of you know the American dream. Yeah, homeownership. Well, I'm I'm worried. The American dream. <laughs> I, I I'm looking at the fact that I'm I'm so thankful right now that I don't rent and I do own, so my mortgage has been pretty steady. Um, the, mortg- and, the mortgage has. The mortgage has. Yep. But come July, I know last year they attempted to make it go up two thousand dollars, and which was double. And I'm I'm sitting there going, I have a feeling this year maybe the year they actually accomplish that, and then what do I do? So yeah, I mean, so I and I, I think it's safe to say, you know, you you and I probably are not we're, we're not on the the, we don't make a ton of money, but we, we've been making enough to, to live comfortably. Yep. And that may change rapidly, where that's no longer our situation. So we give our last two pennies, and Jesus says thank you. <laughs> Again, that's kind of one of those things where um, it's, it's a hard... Well, if that, if that makes you squirm, next week's text is give it all away. Well, yeah, I know. Well, but so was this week's. Yeah. I mean, th- this was her, she gave it all. Yeah. She, she, everything she had, she gave it all. Um, and if you don't think that he was serious about that, the, the text you're going to have actually precedes this one if you actually read it in order. Yeah. Because um, we're going to go back to chapter 10. And the rich man wanting to know what he has to do. And Jesus says, well, sell everything, bye-bye, and, and give it to the poor, follow me. Yeah. And he's like, eh, no, not going to happen. Squirm, 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 butt shift, butt shift, butt shift. Yeah. And it's hard to talk about from the standpoint of... Um, So how do you live? 
That's the question. So last, last time this text, or similar text came up, the question was, well, if I give it all away, who's going to take care of me? Right. And I'm like, Who, well, if you give it all away and they give it all away and everybody gives it all away, then nobody has it. So y'all take care of each other. Hmm. Yep, except someone somewhere isn't going to give it all away. Yep. And hence the problem we find ourselves in. Yeah. Well, and the bigger issue is not only is some or is not everybody not going to give it away. You have people scrambling for more. We'll scramble for more and we'll actively steal it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. To make sure they're... And that way I have acquired more and I have more because the answer to everything is more. Not more Jesus, not more God, not more faith, but it's more money, more stuff. Yeah. It's... Like I said, it it, it just, it's, it's, it's hard, hard... These are hard teachings. And what I always find interesting about it, though, is um, we got a lot of people who like to take Scripture literally. So this is, <laughs> this is completely off topic. I'm looking out the window and watching a bird eat a snake. Well, and okay, then. I hate snakes, so this is actually kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know that it, it all in any way... Has anything to do with this podcast. <laughs> anything to do with anything. You're watching a bird eat a snake because you hate snakes and you're glad to see the bird eat the snake. Yeah, one less I have to run from. Yep. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know. Um, but yeah, so anyway, my point being that we, we have people who, who think all of Scripture needs to be read literally, except for... These parts. Yeah. Well, that's not really what Jesus meant. Isn't it? Because he says it a lot. I guess that's for me the thing is like the, the things we want to take literally um, are usually obscure things that are maybe said like one or two times. Yeah. And then there's this. And it's all over the place. And Jesus talks about it ad nauseum. Ah, Jesus didn't really mean that. Didn't he? It, now, it's yeah. Squirm. <laughs> it's the squirm, right? Like it's, it does make you squirm. Now, so, I, so, maybe, I, so maybe, maybe I'm going to try something new next week. For my sermon... I'm going to get up and reread the scripture and just sit down. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to pull a Jesus. Oh, don't get carried away. Well, I mean, isn't um, that what he did that one time where it was, yeah. this has been fulfilled in your hearing and he just sat down? Yeah. Shortest, you know, super short sermon and made everybody mad. I, I mean... I find it interesting the shortest sermons have the best impact and tick the most people off. You have Jonah, who gave one of the shortest sermons, you know, 40 days and 40 nights, y'all be overthrown. And he's mad that he has to give it, but then everybody actually follows it. 
Um, and then you have Jesus just going, yeah, this has been fulfilled in your hearing, sits back down, and everybody goes berserk. I mean, really, what do you, at, at this point in the trajectory of society, in the arc of history, and where we currently reside in it, wherever that is, you have to ask yourself, what is the point of preaching a sermon about money? I mean, I mean, in, in all and I, I, I say it in all seriousness, not even for me, no sarcasm. Right. Like, just from a practical standpoint, why preach a sermon on money? When you know no one's going to follow that it. That you know it's just not going to move the needle. Um, and maybe that's just a really defeatist perspective. But I don't know that, I don't know that it's untrue. Well, um, well, it's not untrue because let's face it, not a single one of us is probably going to give, you know, the closest you could probably say of giving it all up is maybe a missionary. Um, you know, a missionary that, you know, says, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of everything and I'll just go where you tell me to go. Right. So, so then what, so then the question, I guess the next question to my, my statement is, what do you hope to accomplish? Right. So if you know that it's quote, not going to move the needle. And again, I admit that that's probably a pessimistic, um, response and whether it's accurate or not, it's probably pessimistic. Um, but then the, the, the flip side is, so then why do it? What do you hope to accomplish? Because I don't think either one of us, um, you know, sits down, does this, you know, digs through scripture, studies, prepares a sermon, delivers it and goes, you know what? I hope nobody gives a damn about what I just said. No. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the, I mean, the goal is to, in some way, um, move people along their their faith journey, their faith path, right? Um, in hopes of strengthening their faith. Yeah. So. So our our let's just say I think our goal is not that we're going to try and get people to give everything they've got away. Yeah, probably not. Um. Well, okay. So case in point the story you have of the guy who from your previous call um, would come in and used to write a check that they knew was going to bounce. And they were like, we can't do this because we don't yep. want it. But he f had this need to give. Yep. So for, for those who, for those who have not heard the story, we had a, a, a gentleman in my former congregation, previous call who um, was formerly homeless um, would come to church faithfully. Would if we had an event or had a volunteer opportunity, he was there. He would put money. He would put a check in the in the offering plate, post date it, um, because he knew when when he would have some funds coming in, and my counters would be furious that they didn't, and and because they didn't want the responsibility of missing that it was post dated cashing the check, it bouncing, him getting a $25 fee or $30 fee on a $5 check. Right. 
they didn't want that. So I had a conversation with them. I said, which, listen, listen, like... Which is, uh, which is being good from the standpoint of we don't want this person to get into a worse position than they're already in. Correct. This is looking out for someone we know is financially strapped. Their anger and frustration was not at him. It was that the situation that it put them in, that they could be responsible... For, for making for, his situation worse. For harming him financially. Right. right. So... I sat down so, with him, and he's so like, I want to me, give, I want to give. So to me, kind of what this might say is, should the, Jesus didn't run up and stop them, but would the proper response from the temple authorities have been to say, hey, not only do we want you to take your penny back, what can we do to help you? Should have been the response of the temple. We had people in the congregation, this is the untold part of that story, based yep. off of your comment, we had people in the congregation that would make sure that if we had a potluck, um, potluck being everybody brings food and shares it, mm -hmm. that the leftovers went to very, very often went to him. Now, I always joked around that that man has never missed a meal, and anytime you had food at church, <laughs> he was sure to be there. Um, he actually came to worship with us, um, I don't know, a few months, several months ago. Um, actually, and actually, honestly, it was really weird because I wrote the, I, I sh shared that, his story in the sermon. Mm -hmm. Well, he also has some sort of a sleep issue where he'll just kind of fall asleep. So he would sleep in worship. You know, oh, like narcolepsy? I think so. I don't know if it's officially that, but something. So that Sunday, as I'm getting ready to tell the story, I kind of look at him um, just to acknowledge between him and I, and he's asleep. Um, so, when he, so when he woke up from worship, you know, he woke up eventually, um, finished the worship service, I said, hey, where are we going to lunch? I said, I'll buy you lunch. And he, he was kind of, wow. Well, I said, Bruce, I know you like to eat, man. Like, let's go. Come on. Let's go to, let's go to lunch. Um, went to lunch and, and, you know, caught up a little bit. It was, it was, a, it was a good time. It was a good moment. But it was... It was funny. And, and again, in that instance, the congregation knew his situation and knew, and knew what he gave. Now, right. and, and I don't mean financially. Um, I don't mean financially. They knew how much effort and time and energy he put into the life of the congregation. He, he single-handedly drove our homeless ministry within that church. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it was something that was, he was passionate about because he experienced it and didn't want other people to experience it the way he did. Right. He wanted to be someone who cares for that community and shows compassion to that community. Now what happened financially is literally I knew when he had stopped writing, bat, writing checks and post-dating them because change would end up in the offering plate. Like, we, like the, the financial count would be like, you know, $300.42. Well, Bruce had likely $2.42, and that's what he gave to the church yep. that week. Um, again, he, he's, that story really, really typifies him. Of course, not the widow, mm -hmm. um, but you know, that, that story really kind of resonates with how he, how he operated. Yeah. You know, so committed, so passionate, so deeply faithful um, that he literally would, he would give. Right. We, and we had, we had a conversation a few months ago 
Um, he was supposed to be going somewhere to lead a spiritual retreat um, with, some, with some friends. And he called me all upset. You know, Pastor, I was supposed to do work for so-and-so, and they got sick and canceled, and I'm supposed to go here, and I don't have gas money. What am I supposed to do? You know, blah, 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 blah. And he said, he said, and I'm not calling and asking for money. I just, I need guidance. And I said, I said, so we've had numerous conversations and you have told me numerous times how amazed you are that God always provides for you. You don't know where, you don't know when, you don't know how, but that God always provides for you. And he paused, he said, you know, pastor, you're right. That Monday or Tuesday, he gave me a call. He said, hey, pastor, guess what happened? I got to the retreat. God found a way to get me to that retreat. And it was so amazing to be able to lead that, that portion, that devotional portion of this retreat I went to. Hmm. So, huh. God took care of it. Faith wavered. Didn't even take faith, right? Like faith wavered. It's like, oh, well, if you just have faith. You know what? God takes care of things. Yeah. God takes care of things. Well, and, you know, and I didn't, like I said, I didn't really address this part of it in my, um, in my sermon. I probably really should have. I guess it, it's one of those things I don't know that it occurred to me until. <laughs> this is why we do the podcast. Um, <laughs> kind of pick up the things we didn't cover in the sermon, which is then, again, the, um, the responsibility of the faith community then for the person who literally is giving up everything they've got yeah. to be able to turn around and say, look, you know, you, you've, you've given everything, but we're going to give back to you something more, which is how that should happen. Now, I'm, I, I, I'm drawing an assumption that that is not what happened with the widow, that her throwing her last penny in did not result in the temple community like rallying around her to make sure that she had food, shelter, et cetera. Um, and not that that needed to, and, and not that, you know, she needed to give everything in order for people to help her. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the other thing is that, you know, I, I don't want to send the message of, well, this is a, um, if you give this, then you'll get that. Yes. Um, kind of situation. Again, I think it, it falls more on an indictment of what the temple system was doing, um, taking the last penny and not giving back to the people. And that ultimately, I guess for me, is where I feel the difference really needs to be, is it, it needs to be, okay, if you're willing to give of yourself and give everything, um, the church community better be willing to give everything as well. Well, beyond, beyond that, the church should not be a self-serving entity. No, no, 
You should be a serving entity, not a self-serving entity. Correct. So, like, oh, well, we're only going to help these people because, well, they gave. Yep. Um, and and let's face it, the people, you and I have commented on this multiple times. Usually, the people who require the most attention, the most care, are not going to be our big givers. Yep. They're they're not going to be the people that have the tons of resources. They're going to be the people that are in desperate need. Um, and I personally, I'm not one who you have more of a sense of, of this than, than I do. I, I don't, and, and I do this on purpose. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to who gives what, because I don't ever want there to be some, um, oh, well, we're paying more attention to this person than that person because they give more or something along those lines. Um, and I have the, I have the luxury of not be, not needing to do that in my position. Um, as quote, the associate pastor, um, I, I have that luxury. So I am never able, you know, never looking at, oh, well, this person gives a ton of money, so I'm going to give them special whatever. And this other person has this need, but I might, it may seem a greater need, but I'm going to ignore it for now. And I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that pastors who do know that that information do that either. Correct. Um, I just kind of appreciate the luxury of, I don't know. Yep. And there's freedom in not knowing. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's, that's what I was going to say that I was going to address that too. Yeah. It's, um, the age old argument of, well, if I give a little bit of money, does that mean I'm not going to get the same response pastorally? Right. Like that, like that's the, that's the fear. That's the pushback. Well, pastors shouldn't know what I make. Well, here's the other, here's the other side of that. Um, it's also a faith issue. Yep. Um, so if you're giving, and I'll use, just, just to take the, the magnitude of it out, if you're giving um, regularly $10 a week, you're giving $10 a week, and suddenly you pop up on the radar as having stopped giving, there's a reason for that. Right. And maybe and maybe it's something as simple or as explainable as pastor pissed me off in a sermon and I'm not giving money. Again, that's a whole separate issue. Right. Or it could be Which, that actually that issue I did address in the sermon. Correct. There I'll get back to that. You know, or it could be, you know what? My rent went up fifty percent and it absorbed that $10. Yep. Well, both of those things are, are pastoral are care pastoral issues. pastoral issues yep. that, um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, it's not always easy to track. Um, you know, we don't always track it well. And, and it's even more complicated now in a, in a post or COVID world or post whatever we are in that, in that realm and where live streaming is, is a viable option, and we have people that, that, you know, sometimes that's the only way you can tell is if, oh, wait a minute, someone, they're, they're giving changed. Now, mm -hmm. on the flip side, we had a, you know, a, um, a faith moment, a faith story um, shared via video the other week. You know, a person had a, had a, a massive stroke, um, and near death experience, near death experience and completely, um, re 
oriented his faith and priorities and his priorities and what he thought was important and where his and how he uses his money. Um, So again, on the flip side, hey, I noticed that you gave that your giving increased. Let's talk about that. Now that conversation certainly isn't um, certainly isn't a negative conversation but it may open itself to a, oh yeah, I had this happen and you know, I, it, it changed my faith. Yep. Um, and, and one of the other things, uh, like I said, I, I addressed it in my sermon, but is the, uh, I'm mad, so I'm not gonna give. Yep. The, uh, the means of using money as control. And again, that becomes the money is no longer, it's no longer about me giving sacrificially, me giving whatever it's. It's buying influence. Yeah. This is how I buy influence. Yeah. Um, I want to see something different. Um, I want to see something change, blah, blah, blah. One of, so one of the coolest stories, per, so personally, um, I had a gentleman again in my previous call who deeply, deeply faithful, deeply spiritual, deeply religious, um, really wanted, and th- pardon the word, I don't know if it's the right word, a sterile worship environment very quiet, very um, meditative, which we did not have in Gainesville. Um, And one of the reasons, frankly, we didn't have it was I had two young kids Mm -hmm. who were learning to worship um, in a sanctuary. So the pristine, super quiet, meditative experience was not his or was not available. Um, and we sat down and had a, had a really awesome conversation. And he said, you know, I love what you're doing here. I think it's vital for the future of this church. He said, I'm struggling right now um, because I missed that meditative experience in worship. I'm still going to give to the church. You'll see me a little less often because I need that other side of my spirituality filled. So he would, he would come to worship with us um, you know, once a month or once every two months, and he would worship elsewhere you know, every so often. And it was just a really, really faithful way to approach it, um, which is, is pretty unique. So yeah. I appreciated that. I, and, and I don't want to... Um, you know, discourage people from, you know, if there are things that, that are, are on your heart, this is what you need to give to. You have limited resources, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you're like, well, I'm going to give to this because this other one I know doesn't, you know, 90% of their, um, their donations, you know, or whatever, when you're giving to charitable organizations and that kind of stuff. You know, you have choices of where you can give. And you want to get the best, what I would call, bang for your buck. 
Yep. And I do the same thing because, yeah, I'm going to go for, I'm, I'm going to do for the things that are important to me, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said, I think the difference comes in when you are part of something that you're deeply invested in and then withhold because you didn't like a sermon or you didn't like um, the way a particular project was going, um, something along those lines. And then it's, okay, well, I'm going to withhold my money because I'm mad about X, Y, or Z. And that's where I kind of start going, okay, now it's no longer about giving in faith. It's about I'm trying to purchase influence and, and make the change, the change known, um, due to my financial, um, gift. So those are kind of more the, the issues that, that I have when I look at the fact that Jesus didn't stop her from paying that temple. And knowing full well they weren't going to turn around and help her. Um, he didn't stop her. And, and that, that's the part that really kind of, kind of sticks with me is the, um, you know, this, the, these are the people who are devouring her and she's still giving them her money. And, you know, and, and, and like I said, there's this big part of me that would be like, you know what? No, stop. <laughs> Don't do that. And yet he was looking at what was in her heart. And saying what she was doing was a good thing. Because in her heart, it was, I'm giving up everything I've got to God. Yeah. Tough stories. Let's just acknowledge that. Yep. Very tough stories. We've got another t- tough one next week. Woohoo! Yep. You get to do that one. And you get to do that one all by yourself. I mean, we'll podcast it when I get back. But I'm going to be gone this weekend. Um, I've got... Um, Mama, Mama, and Papa Craig coming to um, to visit for a week. So, Sweet. yeah, that'll be fun. Um, George, George gets his grandparents. There you go. <laughs> uh, they're, they're they're the they're doggy grandparents, and quite frankly, I think my dad almost likes that better than his actual grandkids. But <laughs> my dad's moving the dog. on. Dad's a dog whisperer. Um, and anyway, so we will talk about the rich man giving up everything or maybe not. Uh, we'll see. Yep. Next week. See ya. Bye everybody. <laughs>